0: If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out.
1: May the silence be broken.
0: Together, we are one voice.
1: Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien, and now Nicole Braddock Bromley.
0: Welcome back to the One Voice Podcast. We're so excited to be with you again today. Earlier this month, we skipped our podcast because I did an interview with another podcast, our friends at Her Story Speaks podcast. So if you want to check out that interview and hear my story, just download the Her Story Speaks podcast. Today, we have invited a dear friend, Alicia Miller. She's here to talk with us just about her experience. She's a counselor out in California. She's worked with survivors for years and years. Um, She was actually in our city of Columbus, Ohio, for a a long point of time and worked in our church. She led groups um, of survivors using my books and has just been a great friend to me for years and years. So welcome to the show. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So you are currently seeing clients that, you know, have a, a wide spectrum of things that they would come to you for counseling for, but you have worked with survivors over all of your career, correct?
2: Yes, even in my internship, which was at, yeah, in Columbus in Westerville. Okay,
0: yeah. And I know that the groups that you led were really fruitful for a lot of survivors of sexual abuse, and I'm so grateful that you did that. But one thing that I think that, you know, as you and I have talked just about these issues and about different stories, I know one thing that you have been really instrumental with in working with survivors has been helping them sort of navigate their adult relationships. So say they were abused as a kid, um, and then maybe that they, they told a caregiver, somebody that they really trusted, which so often will happen, and then that caregiver or family member doesn't do anything about the abuse. And, you know, we've talked, Mary and I have talked, she shared part of her story and how very traumatic that is. And in my opinion, it's often as deep of a wound as the abuse itself. Um, to mm-hmm. have told, to have trusted, and then to have that person not do anything, and then you go on as if life is it just normal mm-hmm. again, and that's so hard. But then, as an adult, it kind of all comes back, and that wound can be mm-hmm. really difficult to to figure out. And how do you how do you continue a relationship with someone who's hurt you by not believing you? How do you continue an honest relationship when you know you told them the hardest thing you ever could have, and then they just ignored it? You know, so those are some of the things I know you've walked with people through. And I I think a lot of listeners are in that same situation. I'd love to hear just kind of your perspective on how do you assess that relationship? And then where do you go from there?
2: Well, I think one thing to really think about is, you know, you need to have that confrontation, that conversation with that caregiver about their inaction to move forward in your healing. Mm -hmm. And so some people are like, no, you know what, To, to bring this up. Is just gonna blow everything up, and I'm just not, I'm not, you know, willing to mm-hmm. do that, or I'm not, I yeah. don't have what Is it, it even worth like, it. Is it? Backlash, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but other people, it's like, oh, you know what? I'm pregnant, and I can't, I can't leave my child with this person, and I know they're gonna mm-hmm. ask because it's, you know, my parent, right? Um, or you know, my a really close aunt or uncle, or you know, situation, and so. It's like this, you know, something like being pregnant will bring up, wow, like what, what am I going to do? And I think I'm, I might have to have that conversation because it's it's going to come up. And I just can't say, no, you can't ever watch the baby. Um, and so mm-hmm. feeling like, well, you might have to have that conversation yeah. before. So anyway. Well, and and I something think else some that, people you know, might look at that
0: and be like, well, they didn't abuse you. They're not an abuser. But I think you're on the same page as me and as Mary that you would say, you know, well, even though they didn't abuse, they turned a blind eye to abuse. So you're not trustworthy.
2: Right. Yeah. Trust is, I mean, we all know from any, for any relationship, trust is like the number one foundational element to, to have a relationship, a healthy relationship and to keep it growing. And so if you don't have trust there and you, you can't trust them with something like that, then how can you, yes, trust them with yeah. the care and the my oversight child. of your child? Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the being able to assess and, you know, say, all right, well, wh- where is my relationship with, what's my, the standing I have with this person? Like, do we have a good relationship? Mm-hmm. You know, as good as it could be? Um, is it really fragmented? Is it, are we dis- really dysfunctional maybe and like fused? Or do we even have a relationship? Maybe we don't really have one anyway. Um, or do we just pretend everything is just kind of, you mm-hmm. know, we have that mask with each other. And so, and then asking like, where, well, where do you want it to be? If it's, if you don't have a relationship, do you, do you want one? Or like, no, are you I'm, I'm good the way it is. Yeah. Or if it's really, are we, are we pretending you get to the point where I can't pretend anymore. I'm suffocating. Um and so, being able to say, "All right, maybe, maybe I want the relationship to be different." And in order for it to be different, to be, to, to move forward or to be healthier, we have to have that conversation. I have to confront mm. their inaction. And so, being able to, you know, be like, "All right, this is kind of coming up with a game plan of how you're going to do that and um, what that looks like." Oh, I gotta, gotta nurse the baby here, but so. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Little we'll anyway, pause. Um, so if, if, take your
0: if,
1: take your time. Yes.
2: If she uh, starts talking, you'll know what's going on. But oh, she's wearing she's wearing the T-shirt, the One Voice T-shirt.
1: <laughs> she's wearing the One oh, Voice T-shirt, on.
0: Nicole. Come on, this is too Aww. much. <laughs> precious. sweetie, if- And listen, we're yeah. going to just keep it real on this podcast. So you just take your time, take care of your baby with their one voice shirt on, get that belly full, and we'll keep it rolling.
2: Yeah, no worries. So yeah, then being able to, you know, of course, as you said, like, you know, getting the courage to tell someone, and depending on how old you were, I mean, that could that it just depends if you're younger, and you finally get the courage to tell your mom or your grandma or whoever, Mm -hmm. and they just they're dismissive, or they kind of ignore it. Yeah, what are you supposed to do? Mm Because, I mean, what do you do with that? Because that is so damaging, as you said. Yeah. And for them to not do anything, what does that speak to a 10 year old or, you know, a 12 year old or a 16 year old?
0: Yeah, it's it's such a deep wound that you'll carry right, I think, parallel
1: alongside the trauma of the abuse.
2: Absolutely.
1: Well, and, and having impacts your
2: relationships.
1: Oh, for sure. And, and having been one of those children who, at a very young age, my abuse started around the age of four. And I did tell my dad, and it was kind of a, you know, dismiss, didn't take care of it, didn't address it, didn't acknowledge it. And then it just continued. And, you know, I even said when Nicole and I were speaking recently at a school that I never want to dismiss or downplay anyone else's abuse. But I feel like for those of us who were not believed and then we just kind of had to tuck it away and just suck it up and do life and you never got to address your healing journey or to be validated, you have so much more damage done to you and so much more work that has to be done because I'm going back and trying to like go in the weeds and figure out why the heck am I doing this or why is that behavior there or why do I always shut down or why do I want to escape or, um, you know, because it's hard to even remember half the stuff in my brain because I've just operated out of this this reality that's not real.
2: Yes, and you're right. There's something about being silenced in that way that has such lasting impacts.
1: Yeah.
0: well and then as we get older and and we're still in those relationships with the non-believing, non-protecting, non-reporting person, I think and you know you hear the the term fake it till you make it. You know, sometimes oh, we can yeah. do that. You know, you can just pretend in the relationship. But like you said, sometimes mm-hmm. we'll get to that point where we're now having a child. We're bringing a child on this. And I, I know for both Mary and I, it's like, you know, you we can be strong. We can be badass warrior right. survivors and be in relationship with people that we don't trust or, or whatever with ourselves. But when you bring a child into it, it's a whole new ballgame. Mm-hmm. And now it's time yeah. to make some real decisions. And maybe there's those listening that don't have children. They're not bringing that child into that mm-hmm. relationship. But now you're at a point where you're getting enough healing where that it now feels toxic. That relationship might feel toxic mm-hmm. to you or or yeah. you're seeing how it's impacting you so negatively. Like every time you're with them, you feel awful inside. So maybe you're making Mm -hmm. it not a decision for your own biological child or a child that you're taking care of. Maybe it's for your inner child. Now it's time to protect the little Mm -hmm. Nicole or the little Mary, you know, inside of you that is now sort of surfacing. Her voice is coming to the surface and now you need to validate her and say, you know, I'm going to actually take time to look at this and protect you now because you know, I've been numbing so long <laughs> that i didn't I didn't mm-hmm. hear your cries, and now I'm feeling all of that in adulthood. So making those decisions in that relationship. What was that?
2: Yes. <laughs> the release. It was like some like yeah, some kind of animal noise. <laughs> 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 <Rawr>. <laughs> yes.
0: Hungry baby. <laughs>
2: And I think, yeah, go ahead. I think something else that you mentioned, too, is just that mm-hmm. it, as you get more healing and as you're going through that, that process, and hopefully you're, you know, whether that's a group, whether that's therapy, whether that's just being able to really, you know, look at yourself and your spiritual walk. But, like, as you get healthier, people are get to a place, too, where it's like, this is, I'm so healthy and all these, I'm getting so healthier, I'm so much healthier in all these other areas of my life, except this relationship and I just can't keep putting myself Mm -hmm. in a situation where I'm, this is so dysfunctional Mm -hmm. and this is hindering me being able to move forward Mm -hmm. everywhere else that I'm making such progress. And so being like, yeah, I'm, this is something has to change.
0: Yeah. And finding your voice and, and it might feel weird to revisit that person, that caretaker that is now feeling toxic to you. Um, because mm-hmm. you're like, well, we already went there, you know, 20, sure. 30, 40 years ago. Right. Now I'm bringing mm-hmm. it back up. Like that's going to be so weird. It's going to feel so strange. And in my yeah. own counseling, I feel like I, you know, I, I think about those things, but it's like, this is part of the healing journey. If healing's lifelong, things are going to come up that are unexpected and your true support people, your true inner circle will be okay with that they'll be understanding of that need to talk about it again and if they're not mm-hmm. and they they make you feel bad and guilty for bringing this back up you know that's on them that's their problem right yeah so what would you, you say to, yeah, we
2: reevaluate those relationships but yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah based on their response so let's say you know a survivor is, is feeling that need that's their next step is to revisit this conversation and realizing something has to change within this relationship and you need to bring that back to the surface what are some of your you know points of advice for preparing for that conversation i know you know obviously having someone there you know to process with whether it's a counselor or a good friend who is tight in your inner circle Um, preparing all the outcomes of it, but what other things would you maybe suggest?
2: I think this is good with any kind of hard conversation you're going to have no matter what, but just to write out some points of what do you, what are you wanting to communicate exactly? And um, I think that always helps keep us on track, but then also being able to use, you know, some making sure that you're able to use I statements to take ownership of you know your emotions and your thoughts, and um, just being able to present them in a way that is going to be um, maybe more more received than being able to put people on the defensive when you use you know use statements and some and that 's the problem with pushes a conversation like this where a lot of things are going to be on this other person you know like being able to say if only you would have listened to me or if you wouldn't have walked out on me like that when I was trying to share I mean so there's things that of course that is on this person, but yeah. if you're if you're putting it on them with the you you you, they're going to automatically be defensive. So mm-hmm. instead of you know saying those kind of phrases, being able to say, "I felt so alone mm. when you walked out," or "I yeah. felt so scared um, when you didn't listen to me," or "when when we had that conversation and yeah. there was nothing happened afterward," um,
3: yeah,
2: and then make sure you you want. You want to make sure that you're able to communicate some kind of action points that you want from them. So you you need an explanation from them. Mm-hmm. Um, you need you need them to know why you don't trust them with your with your baby, mm-hmm. or um, you need to know how you need them to know how their inaction and um, just really impacted and, and hurt you,
3: right?
2: Or just that hey, I'm tired of pretending and I can't keep doing this relationship and pretending that, you know, we, I told you that one day 20 years ago and we've never talked about it since, but Mm X, Y, and Z, this is, you know. Yeah. I'm at this
0: point where I need to talk about it again Mm -hmm. to know what our relationship looks like.
2: Right. Exactly. And then as you said, you know, make sure you have someone that you can process with, you know, um, before and after and, and obviously, you know, if if you are a spiritual person or if you have faith, you know, j- just to pray through that process and, yeah. um, you know, just ask God to give you some wisdom and discernment about what more you need to communicate mm-hmm. and, and how to do that. And a good, I mean, timing is really important. Um, and then also just know who you're talking to, you know, pre- be prepared for the ways that that person could um, possibly take over the conversation or could emotionally manipulate you that Mm -hmm. you have kind of Mm -hmm. a plan a a plan of like oh I need to get out of this conversation or if they are going to start going down this road this is what I need to do or say or Mm -hmm. so just being able to really be aware and be proactive of all right I know who I'm who I'm going to be having this conversation with. And this is how things could go yeah. really, really wrong
0: or bad. And having an exit so, strategy for when it yeah, might get mm-hmm. emotionally manipulating or controlling or aggressive. Exactly.
2: So even then being able to maybe like, all right, I can't, we need to stop this conversation mm-hmm. because I feel like this is getting out of hand or that I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really hurt again because yeah. you're putting everything back on me right. as when I was, you know or five and so here's a letter and this is what this is the rest of what I need to communicate to you and so we've been having a letter prepared in advance um and letting them know you know when you're when you're willing to actually listen to me please let me know and I'm I'm willing to come back and have you know have finished the conversation but until then where we need to leave it
1: well, and I think that takes a lot of the anxiety out of it as well, because for survivors, and I know for me with my abuse, my number one thing is control. And when I feel like I don't have any control at all, I'm going to flip out. So I can't even enter okay. into a conversation where I know things can go uh you know, off the rails. So I think that's so good what you said there and why is it just having a plan going into it. And also I've learned the hard way is to check your expectations going into the conversation to know Absolutely. that I cannot expect X, Y, or Z because this person who I'm talking to has failed me once before they're going to fail me again because they're broken and they're human and I can accept that and understand it. Um, But just to go into it, not having a plan of it has to work out this way or it's equals a fail. Mm. Right. Um, Just Mm -hmm. knowing that to be open with my heart and my mind, um, but also to know that at any point I can shut it down and walk away like that feels a million times better walking into it than feeling like I don't have any ammunition with me. That's
0: so true because you're the abused one coming into this conversation. Mm -hmm. So keep reminding yourself you're not a victim in this conversation. You were the victim then right. and now you're taking yes. your power back.
2: Right. Absolutely. And in, mm-hmm. in your
0: experience, what are some bad responses that you've heard? And then what are some good responses? So maybe we can measure, you know, what what it might look like to say, This is not good and this is when I step out of this and leave the letter. Or when I say this is this is going well and I'm going to stick with this.
2: Honestly, I have not heard anyone say that they've had a conversation and, and it's gone kind of the way that they've wanted. Ugh, I was afraid so I can, you'd say I can, that. Yes, so I could give you some, you know, examples of what what would be, um, uh, yeah. you know, the a better case scenario response. But of course, you know, I've heard people say things. Just say. I was, they just totally ignored me. They pretended it didn't happen. They just started redirecting the conversation to something really unimportant like the weather or, you know, just something that had, they just just like, I'm, I'm literally turning a blind eye
1: to what you're saying. Been there, done that. Um, Yeah. mm -hmm. Look what's on TV. Mm -hmm. Did you see that play in the football game? I'm like, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm pouring my heart out to you (laughs) and it doesn't even matter, you know?
2: So right yes it's like a, i mean a slap in the face yeah oh, yes. totally or worse i mean yes. yeah. Oh, yeah um oh, yeah. and then i've heard things for you feel like well i i just confused me because you still let your your sister climb into bed with you so why did you let them you know continue continue mm. to do that or mm. why did you still let your grandpa keep hugging you or you know so it's like they again it's like yeah. this, they 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 put it back on you yeah versus just being like you know take totally taking ownership that you're right i was the doll. i was the, the the mom or the grandma or the grandpa and i definitely should have listened yeah. to you i should have taken me more seriously yeah i should have asked follow-up questions um and i think most people in these situations people can't maybe 20 years later or 15 years later they can't they come to a place where they're like, I I can't actually deal with if I recognize and take ownership of what happened as as the parent, as the caregiver.
3: Mm-hmm. What
2: what does that mean for me? And I can't I can't take ownership of that because it is too devastating. It's too big. It's the guilt and the shame as the caregiver, as the parent, would be overwhelming. And so it's just better, quote unquote, for me to just pretend. And just put it back on you, yeah. or make excuses because actual ownership would mean something huge,
0: right? And that's obviously very telling in our society of just not being able to own up to things. But it explains mm-hmm. why they do it, but it doesn't excuse that. And I think Absolutely it's it's not. once again the sign that this is this is not good for me. This
3: mm-hmm. um, yes.
0: this person is not safe for me. And, but I think it's great when a survivor takes that initiative and the courage to say, I'm going to address this one more time. And then, if the response is not appropriate, or they are shaming me again, or ignoring it, or denying mm-hmm. it, or minimizing it, or defending my abuser, bye. You know, now you can finally bury it and, and move on in your life in a way that is good for you. And healthy mm-hmm. for you.
2: Yeah. And so being able to kind of decide, like, what does it look like to move forward? Whether this person or the conversation goes mm-hmm. the direction that you're hoping and wanting it to, or yeah. if it implodes and it does something like just tears everything, you know, your whole family dynamic up. Mm-hmm. Um, but what does it look like to, yeah, move forward? And so for some people, it's like, wow, I haven't. Told anyone except this person that didn't believe me or didn't do anything mm-hmm. and so now my whole family is going to know that I can't keep pretending that I'm okay or that my relationship with with mom or dad is or grandma grandpa whoever is okay mm-hmm. but it's not anymore and so if that means everyone in my family has to know about this then so be it and maybe they should know because we're this word this is a lie You know that our family's been living, and I'm not willing to participate in that anymore. And for again, for some other people, it's like no, like I this is this is not worth it, and I I can't I can't do that. And so again, neither neither stance is right or wrong or yeah. I'm glad to hear you say that. You personally, Mm -hmm. what you feel like you need for your healing, Mm -hmm. and that. Only you can make that decision of what you need.
0: I think that's really good for people to hear. There's no right or wrong answer. You know your situation. You know the person, their response, what that looks like for you, that person, your whole family, and no one can tell you whether it's right or wrong. Sometimes it it's right to address it. And I I'm walking through that with a friend right now who you yeah. know was abused by a brother, and no, she thinks her family knew and didn't do anything, but what if they didn't? So it's like. I kind of want her Mm -hmm. to go and bring it up because there's so much dysfunction and pain Mm -hmm. in that family. Um, And I'm like, it's bad whether you don't bring it up and keep going through the motions with these jokers or it's bad if you, you know, do bring it up and then Mm -hmm. everyone splits, they're mad at you, but so what, you're not losing anything. But on her end, it's Mm -hmm. kind of like, I would rather let them live their fake perfect lives and me know the truth mm-hmm. and just do my own thing you know and that's mm-hmm. on her that's that's her decision and it's what empowers her it's what she knows is best and you we have to trust mm-hmm. that the survivor does know it's best survivors have such a, yeah. a deep instinct with people and relationships and things and um, I think we have to really follow our gut in that way and, and not judge another survivor for how they did or did not address this situation.
2: And I think, you know, uh, what I tell people in therapy often is that you're, you're your own expert. Like, I'm not an expert on you and your life and right. what you need. And so I can encourage you with, you know, and I can speak truth into like, I can see things and say, that doesn't, you know, I'm not sure about that. But At the same time with something like this, this is you're your own expert, so you can you're the one that needs to decide what you want to do and how Mm. you wanna do it. And I'm here to help you with parameters and you know, like discernment and wisdom and all that. But yes, you the survivor is the one that ultimately makes the decision
0: and that's what makes you a great counselor you know you're not trying to tell them what to do you're you're directing and you're allowing you know god to to help them make those decisions and you're there to support and walk them through i think that's great um Mm -hmm. and and it reminds me mary of our podcast on empathy of just you know to have true empathy for someone means allowing them to be the expert of their experience not for us to interject our own Mm -hmm. you know expertise of what they're going through so that's that's really good to hear Um, Mm -hmm. so, so then let's say you do decide to continue relationship with this person, you know, what might Mm -hmm. that look like? What are some, maybe, maybe a safety plan, you know, you would put in place or like, how would you navigate the next steps
2: of that road? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it kind of, I guess depends on your current, what your current relationship with this person, you know, looks like. So obviously you're not going to be moving forward <laughs> in the relationship. And so kind of, are you going to just maintain what you have with this person or is it, maybe it's things have gotten worse um, because of this. And so mm-hmm. kind of being able to assess that and then have, you know, what Mary said, just expect, like a healthy realistic expectation of what things are going to look like mm-hmm. moving forward. And so you know, just not expecting them to one day call you up and say, I I believe you and I'm sorry. And you know, that, mm-hmm. that's, that, that could happen, but probably not yeah. Um, yeah. being able to look at holidays or like how often do you see this person? Mm-hmm. Do you, um, do you need to, you know, rethink your holidays or the way that you're spending time with them? Um, if you are going to continue doing holidays or, you know, family, whatever with them, then, yeah, having a, an exit plan or a strategy of if when things get to a certain point. So, you know, maybe for you, maybe like when people drink a lot and, you know, get that starts so getting out of control, that that's a trigger for you. And so being able to, to get, you know, a, a plan in place of, look, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay at my own hotel. I'm not going to stay at the family house. Um, I'm going to you know if things are getting a certain way I'm going to leave or I'm just leaving every night by eight o'clock before the drinking gets out of control um, and you know being able just to tell your family like yeah I, this time I, I got my own hotel and just because of x y or z I'm just I'm leaving I'm going to be ready to leave you know by a certain time every night um, I just some time for, for myself or you know or whatever the whatever you want to communicate but being able to um, have just kind of those things in place to protect yourself Mm -hmm. that's what is important is that you know if if you didn't you obviously didn't feel protected before and so not that you're in this I'm going to do everything I can to self-protect now, you know, like yeah. this macho, whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, just being smart and being wise and being like, I am going to take, Like, no one's going to look out for me. No one's looking out for me now. Yeah. So I'm going to do what I can to at least try and, and stay healthy, even, you know, mm-hmm. during these three days of Christmas or whatnot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very important. Holidays are so hard um, when it comes to that mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah. And I think that's, that's really good. Just, keeping it basic, if you have brought this up and it went weird and now you're just maintaining, then I think it's perfectly acceptable to continue to use your voice to say, because of the conversation we had and your inability mm-hmm. to accept or believe mm-hmm. or support my healing, mm-hmm. this is how it's going to look this year. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't had that conversation because you've deemed it not worth it, You can still say, you know, make up your own stories or whatever about why, but you need to set it in place. You can't blame Mm -hmm. it on the conversation because you didn't have it, but you can still step back. And, you know, for me, uh, making decisions about things and not even having a reason. You don't have to. You don't owe it to anybody as to why you're backing off or not coming this year or that person is not allowed. I just don't feel comfortable like that's good enough. One well, of my favorite thing ever yeah. was
1: a counselor once said, which I'm still at thirty six, trying to understand and give myself permission. She said no is a complete sentence. Yeah. There is no explanation Mm -hmm. that has to go with that. That's That's it. I'm a grown adult. Mm -hmm. I can do, say whatever I want. And your expectations should not dictate what happens. And I also think about, and I shared again when Nicole and I were speaking recently, how my counselor told me that, you know, what happened to me was not fair. It was not okay. But it is up to me now to take responsibility for what the future looks like. Mm which at first Absolutely. hearing that you're kind of like, wait a second. Why, why is it up to me to do all yeah. the work? But it's an empowering feeling to think about. Mm-hmm. I get to control and I get to dictate what a healthy future for me looks like. Mm-hmm. And either you're in it or you're not. End of story.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. empowering. That's it's about the perspective on that. I think, you know, if you look at it as mm-hmm. I get to pick now, mm-hmm. I have control. That's that's really empowering. I love yes. that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Take back what you didn't have. Then.
1: Absolutely.
0: And I think it's important to mm-hmm. acknowledge, you know, the grieving process. If you walk through yes. this, you're seeing your loss. You're seeing that your hope for, you know, the confession, the admitting, the the comforting, the coming alongside, the supporting and the listening ear is not there. You know, mm-hmm. you now have a loss of a relationship because, you know, you've had it this whole time. It wasn't what you deserved. But as a survivor, you're telling yourself all these other things and you're, you know, you're giving them the benefit of the doubt for 30 years. Um, But now, you know, like there's no hope here and Mm -hmm. they're very selfish. They're they're looking at their own guilt and they can't see my pain. So now you have right. to grieve that loss, and I think it's important mm-hmm. to really take time for that in your life and in your in your healing journey. There's there's a real deep place for grief along the healing journey, and it's hard and it's painful and it's lonely and it's dark, um, and it doesn't just happen once. I think as survivors, we grieve a lot of mm-hmm. things. Sometimes we yeah. grieve things we don't even know we're grieving. Right. Um, But this would be a really big one. And to have your people in place, to know Mm -hmm. your self-care options, to really, um, I think, kind of pad yourself through that process is important.
2: And depending on where you are in life and what you're, you know, like just your stage and your season to being able to look at people and like, do I who who do I trust and who could be not. Um, like a replacement, but who could be like a step in grandparent for my kids or like a, or I'm 21 and I'm still trying to figure out my life. I'm just, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm I just graduated college and I I need someone in my life. That's kind of like a mom, dad, auntie, uncle kind of figure, who in my life could I Mm -hmm. look to and kind of to be that person for me? Because I, I can't trust my biological, um, and so being able to find a second family mm. and just saying i i need i need I need people yeah. <laughs> and um i I want a certain level of just trust and safety in relationship with with people that mm. are kind of ahead of me in that way, and so is All there right. anyone that that could be so yeah,
0: well, I think that leads into the the other point that I wanted to kind of talk to you about is just the importance of support group. And you have led many groups using my books and I feel like that was a real benefit for a lot of people and many of whom didn't have people around them. So it's kind of like you're seeking out that support and that camaraderie mm-hmm. and that family and a safe environment. I think it's really healthy. Do you want to yeah. share a little there, bit about your experience in leading those groups and the good, the bad, the ugly? Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. Well, I mean, honestly, if people can get the courage to go to a group, you know, specific for survivors of abuse, do it. Do it because it. I. It's just unbelievable what people experience in the group setting. That is, studies show that it's more effective. And more impactful more powerful than individual therapy and it's because especially when we're struggling with something like abuse you know past abuse that it's really what you said isolating and lonely and you feel like no one really understands me or people i look at people my my friends or their relationships and everything is so perfect and pretty and cute and no one no one really understands the sorrow and the the pain that I experienced and still experience you know semi-regularly yeah. and so going to a group you sit there and you just look around and everyone can literally say I on any, on a better level than anyone else in your life I understand exactly yeah what you mean and people cry I mean they don't they meet each other for the first time and people are sharing tidbits of their stories just here and there because it takes weeks to build any kind of of trust but the people that are courageous enough to share the the first meeting on any level I mean people are crying Mm. for one another I mean it's just there's a bond there that Mm. there's you just don't find anywhere else Mm. and so I mean, obviously the workbook and the book is, is helpful, but I think the most powerful point and the most, the most effective part of the group is just having other people in that room mm-hmm. that can squeeze your hand because, and talk about empathy. It's, I mean, it's everywhere
3: mm-hmm. and
2: um, people, and the, um, the unfortunate part is, you know, the, the group starts out with maybe pretty big, I feel like for, for this kind of group, yeah. eight, eight people, maybe even 10. Um, But then by the last week, there's maybe four or three. right? Right. Because it people, I mean, it is after week one, you're like, yeah, I can do this. But then as you start reading and as you start doing the workbook, you're like, oh, I, I, nope, I am not ready for this, (laughs) Uh, you know? And so each group, you know, each week as the group goes on, there's one person, you know, kind of drops off. And so that's, but for those three or four people that have stuck it out by the end, I mean, they—they're like, I, "This is, this was so hard, but it was, this is the best thing that I've done for myself in a long time in my healing process." And people are exchanging numbers, and they're like, "Let's still meet every week, or like every other week, or once a <laughs> month. Like, let's, you know, like just to check in, we see each other." And you know, Christmas is coming in a couple months, and so let's people still they still want to keep connecting even after the group is over. And I think that speaks for itself of just how powerful it is to to be in that group. And Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I mean, Nicole, you came, I think every time, you know, at the the last week of group and, you know, all the, all the ladies were just like, when you left, they would be like, I I can't believe she came and you would bring t-shirts or, you know, little (laughs) just gifts and stuff. And they were just, the, oh, your little um, this bracelet, this rubber bracelets mm-hmm. or whatnot, and so they just it was it just meant so much that that you would come and that you would encourage them, and um, so yeah, I I feel like I I really cannot say enough good things um, about being in a group, and I think just being able you're kind of forced because of the workbook and the book and meeting every week and everyone sharing you're kind of forced to to actually do the work at a s at a pace that if you're in individual therapy you're definitely you I mean you're probably not doing. So the ground that you cover in a eight week, ten week, twelve week group is probably twice or three times at the pace yeah. as you would probably in individual therapy, which is not better or worse just depending on where you're at in your process right well and but like you said the group
0: goes from eight to four it shows you it's for the people who are ready for it And not everyone is but yes. those four right. that dropped out you know maybe next year they'll be ready or in five years mm-hmm. you know it's everyone mm-hmm. at their own pace and but it is it's it can be intense and heavy and hearing other people's stories can be triggering yeah. and you're bringing that mm-hmm. home with you you're thinking about it while you're at work or you know, trying to go to sleep
2: at night and it's hard, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And people say often, and it's very normal to feel like, Oh, I did not want to come tonight. <laughs> I was thinking of excuse on my way here. What could I do or say to like, excuse myself from coming tonight that yeah. people would say, but I, but I didn't have anything or I just knew I had to come even mm-hmm. though I didn't want to. And so just, People even being that, you know, vulnerable and raw, just like, I don't want to be here, but I know I, yeah, I'm ready. I need, this is my next step and I I need it. So, mm-hmm.
0: well, and just being able, I think the biggest thing in the groups I've seen has been for the lies that survivors believe about themselves, um, to have mm-hmm. those replaced with the truth. Cause we can tell ourselves till we're blue in the face or we can read it in hush, you <laughs> know? But when you right. have another survivor who's walked a similar path to you and struggled with some of the same things, be able to tell you the truth about yourself, there's a lot of power in that. And I, I've seen yeah. so much freedom come through um, the support group mm-hmm. in that way. So I, I agree.
2: I think it's a very effective
0: tool when it comes to the healing journey.
2: And I think people, I mean, obviously people in the groups are in all different places with their process. And so it's, I think it is eye opening for any individual to see, oh, they can tell like this person has, they've gone through the forgiveness process a little bit. They're in further than I am and like they're, they're doing it and it's encouraging to me or, oh, I remember when I was in that place with, with my anger, you know, and Mm. I'm glad I've, I've come, I've done a little work in that and Mm. I'm not in that place and I'm so grateful for that. So I think it's, even helpful to to be in that group setting where it's you realize it's it's not all I'm not it's not all about me and my pain and my loneliness that other people are hurting too or other people are are in process and we're all in different places but that there's encouragement and there there can be gratitude even in that you know? yes
0: and that ignites hope within a group setting I think it- yes it really it can light up the room and make you walk away and feel like, okay, you know, they got through that. They, you know, they haven't gotten yes. through the thing I've gotten through and maybe I can dispel hope for them, but for, but they brought hope to my story. And that's always, mm-hmm. I think the end goal is to provide hope mm-hmm. for each other and to inspire our stories and to keep us moving, mm-hmm. you know, one step at a time. Yes awesome well thank you it's so great yeah. to uh, to chat with you um but also just good to hear your wisdom i think that this is something that we don't talk about too often these these topics when it comes to the healing journey and especially as in adulthood but it's something probably most listeners are thinking about or dealing with or wondering about and maybe have never talked about or maybe even today it's something that was like Oh my goodness! I didn't realize that's something that I should think about. And hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully, these will be yes. a few tools that can can help you just think about the next steps for you. Um, mm-hmm. Not in a way that causes turmoil in your mind, but something that would, in the end, bring you more freedom.
2: And absolutely, and just more healing and more. What you you know said, just hope for what is to come, and that the healthier relationships that trust that even if you can't have that in those relationships that you can have them with other people yeah. so that's that right. out there
0: so. awesome mm-hmm. well thank you we will let you get yeah, back to your baby maybe. and your job and all the millions of things that yeah. you're doing so <laughs> thanks for getting up super early to be with us today friend oh no you're fine
1: <laughs> yes good to talk with you both take care Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.